affirmatives from the others, who were gathering behind Ivor to follow the proceedings. They had indeed seen him around. Ivor wondered if he was supposed to commend them on their powers of observation. He decided against it and went to walk around the boy in front of him. A hand stopped him. Stay and talk with us, bro, the boy urged in a voice that spoke to the others as well. Excuse me. Nah, man. I know your face now. You're the hermit. Ain't he the hermit? The chorus confirmed it. He was the hermit. They'd seen him around. The pain was white hot now and he knew it showed on his face. It seemed to burn like acid along his optic nerve. Soon his whole head would be bursting with it. To hell with the hot chocolate. He had to get home. Hey, Lucas, ain't he rich? The black kid asked his pasty pal. What is it you won the lottery, man? Lucas persisted. Is that true? Is you rich? I have to go, Ivor hissed through gritted teeth. No, you don't. You can answer my question, man. I have to... <coughs> Ivor's voice gurgled into a growl as the pain blinded his other eye. It was unbearable now. It was as if someone had planted a white-hot industrial ball bearing in his eye socket. He screamed. It made no difference, but he screamed again anyway. Lucas stepped back as Ivor's face clenched up, the older man's breathing coming in harsh gasps. Ivor's skin was glossy with sweat, his brown hair hanging lank over his forehead. His fingers moved with a will of their own, forcing the eyelids of his right eye open. As the fingers dug clumsily into the socket, he jerked his head down once, twice. He gave another shriek, and his movements became more frenzied. Dude's going ape, man, Lucas cackled. Someone check his pockets. You check his pockets, another voice retorted. I ain't touching the freak. Lucas reached round to slip his hand into Ivor's jacket pocket, and that was when Ivor finally succeeded in plucking his eyeball out of its socket. With an agonised roar, he struck out at the young mugger, slamming the eye against the kid's temple. It hit with a dull crunch, and Lucas fell backwards onto the wet ground, stunned. Blood trickled from his temple into his hairline. A shard of glass was embedded in his skin. Ivor looked down at the palm of his hand in dismay. That was the fourth eye he had wrecked. Dr Higgins was going to give him another lecture about that. He tossed the remains of the glass ball away and stared down at Lucas. Parting the scarred, sagging eyelids of his right eye, he gave the kid a good long look at the empty socket. Get out of my sight, you little cretin! Lucas didn't need any more telling. He didn't even stop to pick up his baseball cap. The rest of the gang were already running. Lucas took off after them. Ivor sighed and pressed a tissue against the shallow cut in his palm. The army had stopped giving him the more expensive plastic eyes after he'd ruined the second one. Glass eyes were a little cheaper. The pain was already abating. It always did after he got the eye out. But now he felt embarrassed about how he looked. He really needed his hot chocolate. Ever since getting off the painkillers, he had avoided alcohol and medication, but he still had to have his little comforts. Scanning the street, he saw that there was nobody else around now. If there was somebody still watching him, they were doing it from a window or a rooftop somewhere. Let them watch. He was past caring. Walking the last hundred metres to the shop, he kept one hand over his empty socket while he got the milk from the fridge. As he passed the shelf of newspapers, he spotted the front page of the National News, which had a large blurred photo of what could be either a flying saucer silhouetted against the night sky, 
or a dustbin lid thrown into the air. The headline read, We Are Not Alone. The story was about a mysterious shape seen over a suburb of the city the night before. Christ almighty, he muttered. Can't they find any real news? Ivor paid for the milk and then he walked out. He always felt self-conscious about the gaping hollow where his eyes should be. Higgins was right. If he was going to keep breaking his eyes, he would have to start carrying spares. The newsroom clattered with activity as journalists and editors worked to make the deadline for the Friday morning edition. Amina Mir could feel the excitement like static in the air, making the hairs on the back of her neck stand up. Voices called for copy. People argued over headlines and layouts. A woman yelled down the phone at a photographer to email in the shots that were due an hour ago, and somebody somewhere was cursing at their computer again. Tomorrow was going to be a big news day.